This is the Game Level Learn podcast. I'm your host, John Cassie. Game Level Learn is a podcast about the ways in which games and gamification can shape teaching and learning to improve the experience and success of students. We discuss gamified methods, review new and old games to explore how those games might be used out of the box in classroom practice, and discuss great books on games, gaming, and gamification that'll rev up your thinking. And I am delighted for this episode of Game Level Learn to be joined by my friend Rahul Kanojia. Rahul, how are you doing? Great, great. Love to be here. Thank you, John. Absolutely. Um, now, Rahul, you know, we've, we've been at this together, uh, maybe not as long as, uh, you know, as, as you've been at it with other people or I've been at it with other people, but I, when we met um, at Gen Con just a few months ago, I felt a real connection to you and to the work that you were, you know, to the work that you were doing. So Gen Con, what were you doing there? I was at Gen Con because part of my journey into the the industry of video game development has been uh, quite the roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, an anchor point for me has always been tabletop gaming. Sure. Uh, because I feel, you know, it, it is the progenitor in many ways. Uh, and it is one of the purest ways to to really engage with uh, game mechanics and really engage with people. So I was there primarily to to be there uh, to, to find other like-minded individuals. I was not going there to expect to find anyone interested in educational game development at all. So I'm I'm very very pleasantly surprised to have found you there. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was I was there primarily, uh, you know, going into our our work. As, as my work as a creative writer uh, and editing for like Pathfinder uh, and Dungeons and Dragons and also, sure. you know, game development uh, when it comes to tabletop games. I've, I've made a few uh, board games here and there in yeah. my time. Yeah. So I'm, looking for opportunities with that. I'm always delighted. I've been to Gen Con a number of years now and have presented at, at uh, the last sort of, say, three or four. I'm always pleasantly surprised and delighted when anyone shows up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, because because it just seems so, so like, so, so niche sometimes, mm-hmm. right? That to find, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 people who are like, yeah, I'm sort of keen to explore this. Uh, you, you don't I, I, I don't often expect, uh, you know, to find that. So um, I think your, I think your point about uh, tabletop gaming is really, really well taken. I mean, you know, we've, we, you and I have spoken about this, and I think some of our listeners probably get this sense, but I think it's important to, to, to make the point that video games are great, mm-hmm. and video game design is great, but there's a level of complexity Absolutely. in the way that video games are designed and how they're played, at least, at least in the, sort of 2016, that can be a little overwhelming for a new gamifier, right? Whereas if you play a game, I mean, really any tabletop board game, particularly one that has a very clean rule set, not only can you play it maybe in half an hour or an hour, but you can also find a very clear mechanic within that game, which you could say, oh, I, I, I mean, I don't really think I know a lot about games, but look, I can play this game. And I understand how this game works, and this mechanic would totally work in my grade three classroom, my my undergraduate seminar, or whatever, right? So, you know, I I, I completely agree with you on that. 
What, what I found really interesting and part of your talk was board games are such a great vehicle to showcase the four elements of great games, you know, right. in, in a compartmentalized fashion, delving right. into showcasing the Aegon, the Aaliyah, the mimicry, the Elinx right. of, of the game. Right. And, and you, you know, if each game mm-hmm. does some element or measure of one of those four mechanics... Bob's your uncle. You can't go wrong. Absolutely. No, you can't. No. Yeah. Uh, And it's a great way because um, I I think the tactility of it, the the ability to physically interact and and to be together in in one room, um, I think that that gives it a level of immersion in in a different way, especially educational immersion. Right. uh, That sometimes a video game will not get until it's it's, uh, evaluated kind of – uh, posthumously, you know, after the event is over, after yeah. the experience is over. Right, right. There's, there's a, there's a kind of, a, a, your tactility, right? There's a sort yeah. of visceral quality about playing some of these board games, uh, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. ones with sort of cool pieces and sort of fiddly bits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that the the more you get to uh, sort of engage in that, uh, in that tactility, the better it is, right? Um, and you don't have to do everything in a game in order for the game you're playing to be effective as a vehicle for gamification. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, in fact, in some cases, a game that maybe is a little complicated might have just an element of the game that you might want to pull out and make some use of. And I'm sure we're going to talk about games later on in the episode. So, um, now, you're a young guy, Rahul. I, I apparently I am. Yeah, well, you're younger than I, me. I, I don't quite feel that way some days, <laughs> especially uh, Keylines. Keylines a bit younger than me, and I can already feel the generation gap sometimes when we talk. I make you know cultural references that I think are fairly commonplace for me, and right. I'll go over his head. But, Nothing, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> now, now you've done. You've been educated as a game designer. You've done video game and you've done board game and you've done sort of role-playing game design work. You know, yep. wh- where Covered did... All right, exactly. Now, where did this interest in gamification come from? What, what was the start? Where, so, did that come from? for the longest time, I've always... I, I've, I, I'll tell you where it came from in, in very core terms. Yeah. I used to cheat in my games. Oh. Okay. I used to cheat in my games, as in I would, as a, as a young kid, I would try to find ways to play the game that the developer probably did not attend. Obviously, the kid, I didn't think of it that way. I was just like, yeah. hmm, how can, I, how can I abuse this, right? right how can I right. abuse the system that, that's presented for me? And, and so that evolved to start to look at, well, what, how, do I, how do I redefine this game in, in a very simplified uh, concentrated manner. You know, what, what is this game really, really breaking its experience down into and its core elements? It's, a, you know, kind of at the atomic level, if you will. Right. Um, and I noticed very early on that all games, regardless of their genre or type, are always conveying some core element or some core philosophy. Um, and then oftentimes, the, the way that a person interacts with the game if, if you were to take a step back 
okay, and maybe try to apply some real real world logos to that yep. and start to kind of break things down logically. Right. Uh, you can see where there's elements where you can take what you've learned in the game and apply it to real life and vice versa, where you can take real life um, lessons and then apply it to the game and try to elevate your level of play. And so that was very early on. And then uh, about 2012, as I started my freshman year at my university, I had the extreme privilege of hearing through the grapevine that Dr. James Paul G. was having a seminar over at ASU. Right. And so I, I visited that seminar and that really just lifted the veil. And right. I was just that's like, like oh climbing God, the mountain, makes right? Sense. It's, it's like yeah. it's it's that extreme, you know, uh, cliche epiphany moment where the light bulb finally right. uh, strikes above the head. But yeah, right. exactly <laughs> the halo and, and, and the angel, the chorus of angels. Right. Right. Things I like had that. the same experience so, reading his book. Absolutely. Right? Um, that um, uh, you know, great video games and great learning. Um, it was it was like the veil had been removed. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. I have been a gamer forever mm-hmm. and I've been a teacher my entire professional career. And yet I needed that book to make some connections for me. Once, once I saw them, it was, it was a revelation. I remember exactly where I was reading that book. I remember what I was eating when I was reading that book. Right. I've never seen him speak, but you know, you, you, you clearly were, were as transformed by the experience of, of interacting with him as I was. And, and that, that is the catalyst, really. And then I went back to my university, and all of my efforts in game development so far have been along the lines of how do we create an approachable experience that can contextualize and can clearly uh, communicate how your interactions with the game world, the game state, and you simply playing the game, how does it really benefit you? Yeah. What can you take away from this experience beyond just entertainment? So, Right, because um, we both know that while games are entertaining, for our purposes, we uh, know they can be much more. Absolutely. Um, you know, what is the main appeal of games? They provide a challenge and a sense of accomplishment. And even in failure, one can learn from one's mistakes and apply that knowledge. You know, having the opportunity to constantly experiment and learn and grow. The problem is, while you're in that mindset of, of playing a game for most of my career and, and, and lifespan so far, it's, it's been a lot of I'm just experiencing it. It's in one ear, out the other. You know, it's just, it's, it's overdone. But there was no, nothing to be really gained from that. And a lot of my kind of professional uh, goals and, and ambition and battles right now are trying to kind of rail against that and, and, and open p- other people's eyes, really. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, light, light the way as it is. Right. You, um, don't, even need, you don't even need to, to work hard to find at Amazon 20 books that talk about the need for kids, learners, young learners, to get more comfortable with notions of failure, reversal, obstacle, right? And when I talk about sort of playful failure, playful learning, right, it's, it's, it can be a struggle sometimes for people to get that. But games, that's what games do, right? 
Would you uh, would you agree to the sentiment that the the most important uh, biggest ambition for an educator should strive towards is to be able to impart on their kids a sense of empowerment? Totally. And and there's there are plenty of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Gamified instruction, game based learning, is one of them that's uniquely good at it. Absolutely. And totally unknown. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's unknown. Um, like yourself and, and like all of the teachers that have been involved uh, with Game Level Learn, I've, I've uh, and especially in talking with the Center for uh, the Games and Impact over at ASU, yeah. I've noticed that as far as the education zeitgeist is concerned, you have uh, a lot more individual teachers looking for some means. Yes. Some means to to really engage with their kids. And, and part of my work so far is we were doing a series of product analyses. But one of the most interesting facts that I did not predict and that came up in our analysis was um, that as you have uh, grade levels that go higher and higher. So, you know, you have K through K through uh, third grade or K, K through 12. But yeah, as you get higher in the, in the scale of K through 12, as you approach, you know, high school slash uh, going into college, most teachers find it increasingly difficult to relate or to create a meaningful uh, classroom experience for their kids as they get older. Mm. I'm not sure that I would agree with that. But I can appreciate what you, what what happens is that for me mm-hmm. the the older the student you are teaching, yes, the more society is expecting you as the educator to conform to patterns, values, expectations that are really outside of the school, right? And so would, it becomes a matter of I need to be mindful of maybe an AP exam, Mm -hmm. when if I were teaching a seventh grader, I would not be mindful of of an AP exam, right? Mm -hmm. Or I need to be mindful of a college admissions process with an 11th grader that I wouldn't care about with a third grader, right? And that imposes a whole host of, of, um, of challenges when you're thinking about the act of teaching, the methods of teaching that you're going to employ. Now, I think you can do gamified instruction going anywhere in any class with any age but i take your point that that it becomes a little more challenging to uh, to to aim it maybe i think it also comes in at a very bad time because just speaking as someone who is is a little closer in his own personal timeline to that sure, period in time sure sure um it's especially nowadays at least in modern times um it's a very very tumultuous period in life mm-hmm. it really is and and that has not gotten any easier people like to think it has it, it really hasn't in fact it's even gotten more chaotic more uh potentially d- not destructive but uh what would we call it? redirecting you know uh, maybe what may have been a good trajectory, you know, in life. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of potential to shift the momentum, you know, yeah, in a direction I mean, that's not good. But anyway, right. um, I think at that stage in life, it's it's more important than ever to build a robust foundation of self esteem. Yeah. And to provide the right mentality that adversities can be overcome, so long as one is able to develop a keen sense of self awareness. Right. And. I think with, with video games and the, and the way I like to think of it is that 
you know, all human beings are, you know, constantly, perpetually in a state of work in progress. Right. But in our highly mobile mercenary society, we often lose sight of this. And, and the untold amount of pressure when it comes to learning, you know, that is, is, is where I'm trying to kind of alleviate some of the stress, some of the, the some of the, uh, the, the pain and, and, and provide an alternative, like a, like a release valve, if you will. Right. Maybe, right. Um, redirect it somewhere more, more positive or, or give them a, a proper platform to, to apply a sense of, you know, self-learning or take, take learning back into their own hands in, right. in a way that they feel comfortable. Right. Self-direction is so important. Self-direction. Right. Exactly. And, and sort of self-soothing, mm-hmm. right? You know, that if you use these mechanics effectively, students will be, when they get to the college application process, when they get to universities, when they're dealing with the sort of ins and outs of, of, uh, of life outside of school, they'll already know how to overcome obstacles and challenges because, well, oh, when I was doing that in grade six, I learned how to overcome a particular kind of challenge. So now I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I know how to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's huge. It, um, it, no, it is. Um, gosh, like, so I, I'll, I'll just be very frank here. Um, I was the kid, sat in the back of the class, and quite frankly, was asleep for the vast majority of the time. Um, I didn't do a lick of homework, because I think I found out very early on that uh, it was it was pretty, um, what would be the word, uh Useless, you know, really didn't. Uh, you didn't do see a much. lot of value. Yeah, I did not see a lot of value in it. No, no, none whatsoever. But I aced all my exams, and that's. And and the more I get to know uh, kids, kind of coming out of high school as of late, especially the the kids that I end up hiring as interns, uh, the more I see that as a repetitive process. Right. Uh, that there there is that disconnect, but it's not that these kids are are you know unintelligent by any means, not even close. No, it's just yeah, you're right. not providing enough value or, or providing enough of a, of a motivating factor for people to get involved because that's, that's all anybody really wants to do is they just want to, you know, that's one of the five basic tenets of humanity. We want to feel as if we are valued. Right. Right. Unless you give them a system in which they feel like they're valued, their contributions are being uh, appreciated, but they can see some long-term results from that. Right. Uh, right. Unless that's conveyed in a, in a proper manner, you know, why are we expecting anything out of them at all, especially going into university where it only gets worse? <laughs> right. Especially and, amongst a sea of people. Yeah. Right. And so as a, as a learner who more recently experienced high school than me, right. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. what I think I'm hearing is that if you'd had learning experiences designed to be more meaningfully challenging. Yeah. And that you could not accomplish just by rote doing, but that yeah. you were inevitably going to have obstacles and encounter, and encounter difficulties. Mm-hmm. You would have been far better served. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what you're trying to do yourself as an educator, video game developer, gamifier, right? That, that, that's kind of your, uh, the, 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 uh, the amalgamation of your philosophy, Absolutely. Right? You know, you want to give teachers a unique set of skills and tools 
to do whatever they are trying to accomplish. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And now a short intermission. Right. Uh, you by our sponsors. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going, Rahul. No worries. No worries. Um, so yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, the the crux of it. Is is that I my goal really is to forge and implement a complete education package. Yeah. And really showcase how interactive media plays a part in the modern classroom and have that support structure be available for teachers coming to them with the mindset, with the experience, with the drives and motivations of an industry right. professional, right, or at least right. as long as I have been. Which, you know, right. But, but it, I, I know how the, the, the inner workings work for the most part, and I can begin to start to translate and, and provide that online uh, translation matrix or dictionary uh, that, um, what would be the word? Codex? No. Um, That's a perfectly good word for what you're trying to describe, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Codex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scheme. It's a way of understanding. Absolutely. Right. What you're trying to do is provide for a teacher who isn't naturally enmeshed in the language. Exactly. With, and they don't have to tools. be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as long as people are willing to learn, and I think any teacher worth their their salary, really, and, and by that I mean like worth their their place, uh, will try to to really reach across the aisle. And I, I actually want to approach it from both sides. So one is. Uh, what has been tried so far is really a top-down kind of view where we're approaching it from the administrative standpoint. We're trying to empower teachers, right. give them the resources. But oftentimes, as you probably know far better than I, that that tends to meet a lot of inertia, uh, primarily in the form of bureaucracy. Well, I, I think that that professional development for faculty mm-hmm. that is – aligned to the individual teacher's skills and desires mm-hmm. and will help them accomplish their curricular goals more effectively. That's the best kind of PD. Absolutely. Um, so administratively, you, you, can, you can impose a mandate, mm-hmm. but if there isn't some sort of uh, 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 grassroots for such a mandate, it's very hard to sustain that culture, um, absolutely, because there isn't there isn't the native desire. So what what you're what you're trying to do is to um, is to enrich the soil, mm-hmm. you know, in which teachers find themselves planted, mm-hmm. right, and and bring something new to that table uh, more than they presently have. What's wrong with absolutely. that? Right. I mean that's. That's what in in the twenty first century. Twenty first century learners need more and more, ever more effective teachers with way more tools than may have been necessary twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years ago. Absolutely. Uh, uh, that that's um, there's a very good quote that if I don't mind, I'm just going to throw it in here. So, um, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time, but it's called uh, "The Dogmas of the Quiet Past." are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise to the occasion. As our case is new, so must we think anew and act anew. Abraham Lincoln. Nice. Yeah. You know what? 
you can hardly ever go wrong with Lincoln. No, no. He was, right. he was quite insightful, man right. ahead of his time. Right. Brilliant. Now, this is not a, a, a kind of a, a, a Lincoln thing, but you've got, uh, you've got a gig going that you've called Rogue Robot Studios. Yes. Okay. What's that about? What does that mean? What, what's, what's your philosophy there? What are you trying to, uh, you know, what, what, are you, what are you trying to empower people to do beyond what we've already talked about? So this is part of the, the metamorphosis process of the last few years of my life, you know, getting to this point where you and I are now speaking, really. Yeah. And uh, early on, it started, I, I, I was following a very straight and narrow path, what we call a cliche path. I was studying video game development, uh, harnessing and honing my skills uh, with the goal of applying to like a AAA studio like Firaxis, Bioware, Bungie, you know, were my top three. Sure. Uh, and 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 kind of go the quintessential you know uh, game development route to work on on tri- big name AAA titles that sort of thing. Right. And as I got involved with the industry, I went to E3, yep. and I went there uh, my first year of of college, and I went there and I talked to as many developers as I could, as many uh, anyone who would give me the time of day, and I, I basically ran the gambit and I and I wanted to know what was their life like. Uh-huh. And and reality not good, like not good, not no. good, not good. No, no. I encountered what I you know. It's it's obviously a lot of you know disillusionment uh, happening. You know, you kind of had the whole uh, capture in the rye type. Uh, you know, it's not all as innocent as as it once seemed. You know, um, uh, if you have rose colored glasses, you'll never see the red flags. That's right. Um, That's but anyway, so after speaking to everyone, I I thought to myself, I'm like. I just I want to make good games that intrinsically solve problems that I see cropping up in the game game industry. Yep. And that is apparently too much of a goal for for a lot of AAA developers who are tied down to the publisher's needs, you know, with with uh, board of directors, the whole, sure. you know, we have we have commitments, we have fiduciary responsibility, right? Uh, fiduciary responsibility means you don't get to experiment as much, you don't get to try things and really push the envelope and innovate, at least not easily. Well, and if you're making if you're making truckloads of money, yeah, what's the Why? What's the incentive for these yeah, companies well, to do what you're asking about? Exactly, exactly. So that is a large amount of social inertia, as I like to put it, right. um, to, to try to get across, right? Um, so I, I looked around and I started looking into how indie development studios were operating. I'm like, okay, all right, this is going to be a little dicey, but I'm confident in my ability to do this. Okay. So I started uh, with a good friend of mine from high school, uh, my co-founder. We we filled out all the paperwork, and uh, you know, within a month's time, we had Rogue Robot Studios. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's do this, right? Right. Um, not as easy as we thought initially. <laughs> that would be a subject for another is. episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is a whole separate episode. Um, right. But I've had a lot of good luck. Uh, as I like to see it thus far, as far as being able to communicate and and go to a lot of professional events and getting a chance to talk to other professionals, uh, to to I'm going to make a quick shout out. Shout out to um, James Floyd, uh, sorry Daniel Floyd and James Portno from Extra Credits. 
I would literally not be here if it wasn't for those two guys. Uh, I have the extreme pleasure of, of meeting them at MAGFest. But, you know, like, like that sort of support structure in the industry is what got me here. But my, my, my process thus far has been a lot of wrestling with, you know, what, what is going to be our breakthrough flagship product. Right. And, you know, that was, that was the roller coaster ride I mentioned earlier getting to this point. And, and it really dawned on me. I'm like, before we even begin to create a viable game product, that environment, the, 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 the reception of, of something along those lines needs to be there, that reception isn't there. And that's part of my mission now, is to start to build that platform and really uh, till the soil, if you will. Right. I mean, what, what you and I are both doing and what we're working on together is, mm-hmm. is building an audience. Exactly. Right. It's building. It's building a, uh, you know, kind of what what I would talk in education is. You know, we're we're trying to build a capacity mm-hmm. in teachers to try something like this, Absolutely. see how it works, learn from it, and then deploy it again iteratively, mm-hmm. and we think mm-hmm. change the lives of their kids. Absolutely. I mean, you and I are already, we're all in. Yeah. No, right? We're is, all in. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the mast has been raised. That's right. That's right. You know, we, we know that this is transformative. Absolutely. Right? And, um, and, and so we, we've got to find the people out there who are going to help us and help other teachers, you know, get to that point where they're, they're willing to take those risks. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, one of the first trailers that they made for that. I did not. Okay. Um, I'll just describe the scene uh, if you're a Star Wars fan at all. Uh, part of The Old Republic, you know, there's a there was always that whole rebellion thing. But anyway, uh, the clone troopers are, are uh, really bogged down by, by the Sith forces. And the, the ending scene really, really gets me. But there's this one moment where all hope seems lost when the commander launches a flare gun into the air and then the camera pans up so you can see the whole forest that they're fighting in and you see flare gun flare gun flare gun and then it zooms back out to the whole planet and you just see like beacons of light you know just in the sky like that's that's what this is hopefully is that initial flare and you start to see you know, people, uh, the torch literally being passed around, the flyer, the fire itself starting to, to burn hotter and bigger. And I and think there the is so much rolling. evidence mm-hmm. that what you're saying is true, mm-hmm. right? The people I talk to, I mean, I've, I've, I've been at this point all over the country talking to people about these kind of things. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm listening to people like you and others. I think those flare guns are, are, in, are in full, full operation, Right. Yeah. Now absolutely. it's just a matter of bringing that team together. Yes. Right. And doing the work. Um, yeah. When when I interact with you on social media, mm-hmm. you're always working two hashtags: break free and go rogue. Okay. Yeah. So so what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. kind of what, what spell that out mean for everyone. Yeah. For a teacher, right? For for a teacher. For a learner. Right. For a learner, uh, the biggest thing that it. it encompasses um, and encapsulates is the notion of break free of the stigmas of the past. As, as Lincoln put it, you know, we must think in you and act in you. Yeah. And 
you know, where that comes from, clearly, uh, you know, you're familiar with the concept of a rogue in D&D. Yeah. Uh, a rogue is a very skill-oriented class. They're, they're probably everyone's go-to class, you know. They're, they're the skill monkey, they're Mr. Fix-It. Uh, you put an obstacle in my way, I get around it. The classic utility player. Exactly. Right. So that's the mentality that we want to approach any obstacle. You know, being a rogue to me means being unstoppable. No yeah. obstacle is too great for us to overcome through sheer uh, ingenuity and will. Uh, our, our goal is to blaze a trail like no one else. Right. Be the best like no one ever was. Right. You know, it, it's, this, <laughs> it's this notion that, um, you know, if uh, – if, uh, if you've got a hammer, all the problems you see look like nails, mm-hmm. right? To the rogue, there's no such thing as a hammer. There's no such thing as nails, right? You see each problem for what it is, and you have a unique tool set to deal with whatever problem you've, 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 you've discovered, right? You're not a warrior. You're not a wizard. You got everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and part of this initiative is to really... Uh, take a megaphone out there and then that's why this hashtag is out there you know calling all people who have a shared love of the adventure the innovation the skill and the ingenuity that have been the core elements that that is what attracted me to game development in the first place right as I saw a whole lot of amazing people doing amazing things that changed my life and 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 art I believe, and Neil Gaiman puts it a lot more eloquent than I do, but like art legitimately has the power to change people's lives. Sure. And I firmly, firmly believe that. So video games are an art to me. It's just a matter of how better can we use that power? How, how, you know, how much more of it can we really extract and redirect so that it's more meaningful? Totally. Totally. I mean, and this goes back to the point that we'd made right at the beginning about the tactility and aesthetics of board games. It's just the same. Right, uh, a, a really well designed and well equipped board game. To me, that's a thing of beauty as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the next time we get together, I should uh, I should bring by space. Uh, what was it? No, I'm, I'm a huge fan of space games. Um, Warp War. Warport. I don't know this game. Warp. So when it's, we get it's together, okay. you know, it's it's okay. You don't have to know it because I, I never got a chance to publish it. It's ah, just so it's your own game. Yeah, I yep. can't wait to play. Yeah. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. last week I spoke to Tracy Wozniger, chemistry mm-hmm. teacher at uh, at Swickley, who you Tracy and I have played some games together at yes. Gen Con, right? Yes. And. Um, and I asked her, I mean, our whole episode was about what should the gamifying teacher play? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I know you've got some thoughts on that. So, you know, I, I apparently gave you a recommendation. Yes. And you yes. took it. So what was that? I game? did. Uh, Machi Koro. God, everyone needs to play this game. Now what? I love it. I, it gives you so much experimental power and it, and it puts it right there in front of you. Uh, and, and the cooperative potential of that game. And, and I, I, it's, it's dripping with educational relevance. Totally. It really is. Totally. I think there are a few games that are, uh, kind of holding their place in the current market mm-hmm. that are as perfect mm-hmm. right now. I mean, in, in, in terms of playing it, this is the gamified versus game-based conversation mm-hmm. again. I think as a gamifier, exactly. 
Machi Koro is peerless, right? As a game, super fun. I don't know what I would... I mean, I could play it in a classroom to understand sort of how communities work, right? How organizations within communities support others, right? But I really think its genius is what you can do with it if you exactly. pick apart its engine, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's part of the support structure um, that I'd like to build. My kind of first high concept is, is revive, uh, reviving um, Raising the Dead, really. Uh, this old podcast that I used to do called Video Game ER. Okay. And that was more providing a prognosis on developer-consumer relations oh, in, in line with you know major events in the industry. Yeah. And we take a we take a different topic each episode, but I'm I'm going to repurpose it, and that's what I've been doing so far, is breaking down games in a manner where the educational relevance or potential or application is very very clearly communicated. Right. So and, we we have a we have a few episodes you know up. But that is something I'd like to actually uh, put up for an episode. Is it's on my list now? Is to break down Machi Koro. Oh, that would be a fun episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll. Uh, I, actually, I'd love to do that if you wanna if you wanna tag tag up for that. I'd love that. Tag team, tag team that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Um, you know, we 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 encounter mm-hmm. these games in our you know, in our play experience. And if they, if they get anything that we can use, that's exciting. Yeah. Now give me a couple of more that you, okay. that, that are on your list for the so, listeners. Go play these games. So quick, quick disclaimer real quick, just for everyone out there. Uh, this is a small personal list and a huge part of my work is showing people how any well-crafted game is ripe in its educational potential. So like I, I would prefer not to prescribe individual titles, uh, but any teacher with intuitive knowledge, uh, you know, shared by those who've studied the art of game development, um, would be able to pick up on this. And, and I'd like to, I'd like, sorry, this is not restricted to, to people who are already, uh, familiar with games, but okay. you know, these are going to be contemporary titles. Um, and right. stuff that I'm, I'm planning future episodes to, to showcase on Video Game ER. Great. And I'm also steering away from true educational games, as in games that were intrinsically developed with the intent to educate, because I believe that all video games are inherently educational. Yep. Just that that, prop, uh, that potential um, and that element to them is sometimes not clearly communicated. So I've been making an express point in my professional discussion on this topic to refrain from saying educational game. Sure. As that term tends to, to bring with it like a predetermined bias. So I prefer to address them as video games with uh, secondary utility. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, so so real quick, uh, I'm going to start with um, uh, a really big title out there just because of its player base and its cultural pre- penetration. It is the largest, most played esport in the world. Go. Uh, that is League of Legends. Yep. And I'm Can't going go to wrong. point out. Yeah, you cannot go wrong. And and I just want to you know kind of point this out to to any teacher or anyone looking at League and is just like, well, how in the hell could this possibly teach a kid anything? Well. That's part of my job, but really what it comes down to is it's a fantastic vehicle 
for cross-functional team building because that is a very core mechanic. And you could use it to teach experimental design and self-assessment and improvement. Nice. And and I go over how to do that in, in, in the episode. But um, another great title to take a look at is uh, any like sort of tower defense game. But one of the best ones I've played recently is uh, Defense Grid 2. Oh, I don't know and this game. It's um, so a lot of these are gonna, yeah these are all going to be video games. Yeah, um, that's fine. It, it, yeah, um, but it's it's great for teaching predictive analysis. It also provides a mean to evaluate in, in real time very quickly, um, and it also provides uh, a means to teach quick informed decision making. So sort of rapid decision making. Exactly. Right? Exactly. This defense grid defense grid two. Yes, Defense okay. Grid 2. So, it's available. All these titles are going to be either available on Steam or very easy to access or free it. to play. Got it. Now, uh, uh, League, I know well, right? Yes. And I think that that's sort of a uh, late, middle, high, and high school and above is sort of the, the, the sweet spot for that. Defense Grid 2, accessible to younger kids or probably in the same age? I would say, I would say middle school. Middle like, school. Okay. Middle school would be like uh, the lowest gap. Yeah, I... I I unfortunately, um, part of my my telescope, if you will, has never or not quite as of yet been directed towards younger audiences, primarily because on YouTube, it seems to be a, a very active community of, of older people, you know, yeah. relatively speaking. Yeah. So so I uh, forgive me That's for not good. quite <laughs> looking in that direction just yet. But it is something that I have thought about and have considered. And um uh, okay, so on to the next title, and this is this is a good one. Uh, a lot of educators, I think, at least, should be familiar with this title based on its reputation alone. But uh, uh, really, any Sid Meier's Civilization game. Yep. Um, but I, I do a specific breakdown on uh, Civ Five. Okay. Now, for those who are not kind of acquainted with it, uh, Civilization is what's known as a 4X strategy game. 4X is standing for uh, explore uh, exploration uh, expansion exploitation and extermination now what what we've tried to look into with with civilization uh specifically is resource management and uh conflict resolution yep i think it's great way a great great vehicle to teach those two elements um yeah and, and these are very broad kind of um uh, lessons to be taught, those could be specified to a lot more specific elements. Like, for example, you know, uh, civilization has elements uh, to teach like ecology and like resource management on like a city building or like on a societal scale. You can you can use it to teach a lot of different uh, subcategories of the humanities. Right. Um, right. But I I'm trying to like focus on like broader kind of uh, lessons that you can apply a lot of different like skins to um i mean civilization of any kind any Mm. of the civilization games um are really quite good at helping the player develop uh a kind of like a differential analysis right judgment right because it's so easy to go so wrong Mm -hmm. in those games from a decision that seemed to make sense, but is disastrous, right? Uh, Absolutely. And, and certainly, 
you can't, I mean, you, you can't, you know, you can't throw a computer mouse into, uh, into the marketplace and not find a half dozen very fine 4X games. Oh, yeah. You know, my, um, uh, my, my classic would be sort of Master of Orion. Oh, my God, yes, yes. Right? Yes. Classic! Did you, you, know? uh, did, you, did you play Rise of Nations? No. Oh, no. okay. No. Oh, I, I'll mention that later in the list. I'll, oh, I'll get got to it. it. Um, but anyway, my, my next three titles are uh, very personal in terms of this is, I think, something that our education system as it currently stands does a, does a very poor job of really conveying well. Okay. And that is financial literacy. Oh, yeah, okay. So uh, the next three titles, I believe, are really, really good vehicles for building lesson plans around teaching the concept of financial literacy. The first one does it explicitly well, uh, and that is called Cash Flow. Okay. And it is a web browser-based game and also a mobile app game. Yeah. Uh, it's super cheap. It's like two bucks, really. Uh, and the web version is free. So you can play that in browser. Just just look up cash flow and it'll come up. Um, but that uh, it, it's a very monopoly board. It, it's actually a digital board game is what it, is how it okay. plays. And you can play it from. Uh, you can either set it up so you're fi- uh, playing against an AI, or you can play from anywhere from one to four players. So you and three of your friends. Right. Um, and it does a great job at teaching resource management as an adult. So you're dealing with like real world assets, like right. you know, if if my house is a is an asset or a liability, that sort of thing, um, and dealing with kind of like financial opportunities in your community, and, and how how it's a, it's a good way to look into the the not so bright side of of being an adult, really. But but it prepares you for that, really. Is what it, is what it this comes is a good to. thing. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, my second game. Is called Off World Trading Company. It was a more recent title. I have heard of this. Oh, so good. Yes. <laughs> Playing like that nonstop lately. <laughs> so but it's good. doing the same thing that the other games are doing, right? Yeah. Right. Now, it's bringing a sort of space theme, which is your jam, mm-hmm. right? But, um, but I mean, the, these games are highly accessible to kids, right? Yes. So oftentimes what I say to, what I say to teachers is, you want to accomplish this goal, ask your kids mm-hmm. what game they're playing that sort of does that, and inevitably there'll be one. Yeah, and, and that's definitely what, what I uh, am, am building right now is to have that platform to serve as a lexicon so that any teacher can look at any game and be able to extract or evaluate it yep. in a way that's beneficial to them. Yep, yep. Um, what but yeah, it's great. Play? It's great for like global trading, learning how commodities are traded on a global scale. Um, the next one is kind of like a direct offshoot of that. That's called TransOcean Two. Okay. But the coolest thing about this game is it uses real world stock uh, stock um, data, basically. Oh wow! It, it does it in real time, and, wow. and you can build your own shipping company. And it teaches you how commodities are shipped in the real world using oh, like real world. Please. Uh, oh, so good. Right, and so you know, what I love about that suggestion, Rahul, is that it is probably one of the rare examples of game-based learning that actually would work. Yeah, right. You know that that oftentimes what teachers are thinking that we're talking about is, well, I'll bring Monopoly into class. Mm-hmm. No, but a game like right. that, particularly in a maybe a high school economics class, right? You could assign students to create their own company. 
and to track it over the course of a trimester or a semester or a year. Exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Um, what else have you got for us? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. So, so another good one with direct gamified learning application is is one of my real favorites, and that is Democracy Three. Yeah, I love and Democracy. And it's a must must play for anyone, even even uh, considering the thought of getting into political sciences. Right, must uh, play. Agree. Must play. Must must play. And the other thing, cool uh, cool thing about Democracy Three is it's also using uh, real world quantitative data as of I believe 2014. Correct. In episode yeah. two, I talked about a game called um, President Infinity, mm-hmm. um, which is a presidential election simulator. Yes. Using just like you said, you know, real data, mm-hmm. right? Real candidates, real assessment of those candidates. Wildly complicated, but. If you wanna if you wanna master that concept, few games are better. Um, my next my next game is a bit of a kind of uh, wild card, you know, out of left field, but uh, I think it's adorable and it's it's a good game for it, it. It's something that people wouldn't really think of, and that's called Town of Salem. Okay, it's also a web based game. Uh, it's where you have this little town, like a little Puritan town, you know, back in the. Uh, 1600s, 1700s, whatever. Um, early Americana, but anyway. Yep. Uh, point is, point is, you have this little town, and every person who logs into a game gets a job. They are this titular character. They have a role to play. Okay. And and each player has a different set of skills, and it's this murder mystery game. Neat. Which plays a lot like Clue, but okay. every night there is this. You know, person who goes around literally murdering all the other townspeople. Oh, that's um, lovely. And 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 the next day, there is a tribunal in the middle of the town, and everyone has to figure out who the murderer is. Wow. Okay, but the way they go about doing it is that there are little hints that are dropped as you play the game, and it's a great way to look into uh, human behavioral prediction. Sure. And also to analyze like social conduct, because each character has like a tell. And you have to pick uh-huh. up on the pattern, so there's like an element of pattern recognition involved as well. Yeah, um, that's that's been a fantastic game. Uh, so that, that sort of feels like like a sort of computerized version of like a mafia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, deduction, uh, managing social spaces. Exactly, it's all good stuff. Um, and then kind of going into, uh, you know, kind of more physical games where, where you can kind of learn more about uh, and improve your physical skills. Uh, obviously, there's Portal, Portal 2. Right. Uh, my new recent favorite, uh, Antichamber, where okay. it's a lot of spatial reason- reasoning puzzles. Oh, great. There's, there's lots of literature on Portal being used in mm-hmm. engineering classrooms. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Antichamber, all of you listeners, get out there and play it particularly if you're doing engineering, physics, or, or high-level science. Um, Rahul. Yes. This has been fantastic. Oh, yeah, I actually got more. You um, got more. Bring it. Yeah. Bring it. Bring okay. it. No, no. Yeah. I thought you were done. I, I, I don't know how, much, how many you wanted because I was, I was listening to the, to the previous episode, and you know, she, had a, she had quite an extensive list. Right. We, we, we um, did a top ten each. Oh, okay. You okay. Know. So bring me right. more. I'm going I'm to I'm wrap wrap it up then uh, a little bit uh, my, my I love this game I adore it uh, and kind of along the same lesson uh, but more geared towards critical thinking and that's quantum conundrum okay um, it's this really cool 
puzzle game. It's a first-person kind of exploratory game with a great story, but it is literally a series of Rube Goldberg machines that you have oh. to solve in order to go on to the next stage. Nice. Um, and each one has a story element uh, that's hidden away within the uh, space of the narrative. And there are clues strewn about through the narrative that are required in order to solve the next Rube Goldberg puzzle. Yeah. And it's got this uh, very cool theft heist story attached to it, which I, I love. Um, and then the last one is, is I think, what more, more people consider to be a real educational game. Okay. But it's not quite, at least in my opinion, over the line of being developed specifically for uh, the purposes of educating, and that is Taito Ecology. Okay. I love Taito Ecology. It's an ecosystem simulator, really, is what it breaks down to. Um, but it's a great way of teaching not only ecology, obviously, but you know, teaching com- uh, the complexities of related systems and, yeah. and cause and effect analysis. Interesting. Yeah. Now, again, all these games you think sort of late, middle, and up? Yeah, late, middle, and up. Yeah. Uh, again, as I, as I stated earlier, my, my because of the way I've been going about doing this, really building up uh, the YouTube channel as a, as a precursor to, to my projects, is, is, is that, that is basically the audience that I'm trying to cater towards, is, is, right. is late, middle, and up. Yeah. 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 Which is all good. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I should hope so. I should yeah, hope right? Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rahul, it has been really, really great sharing this time with you. Oh, I, I absolutely. It, it means a lot to me uh, for you to think of me and, and to invite me onto the show. Uh, I've been listening to all your episodes so far, and I and absolutely love it. It's a fantastic opportunity, and I hope the, the podcast is more and more uh, received and, and we can do the work to, to spread the word, really. Well, we're, we're in the business of fire and flare guns. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We're in the business of firing flare guns. So, listeners, I'm at John Cassie at Gmail. I tweet at John Cassie. You can find me on Facebook, Jonathan Cassie. Game Level Learn. We've got a big community, almost 1,000 strong on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter as well. Rahul, where would a listener find you? Okay, so uh, I'm on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, so I have my personal account on Twitter is at platinum spartan and then my uh, uh our rogue robot studios account on twitter is at rogue robot games uh and then we also have a facebook page of the same name and uh we have what else do we have we have a pinterest we have uh yeah I think I think that's it for now. Oh, and a Google Plus page. Not that I know anybody really uses Google Plus, but hey, if you're out there, good on you for sticking right. through it. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna open up a Friendster page for uh, for Game Level Learn uh, any, any oh. day now. Any day now. <laughs> <laughs> Rahul, thanks for joining us, and uh, folks, uh, stay tuned. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have another episode of Game Level Learn. Thanks for listening. We look forward to getting your feedback.